It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. And, as you might suspect, we've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're doing for the podcast. Since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. This week, though, we're sticking around indoors, and we're going to talk about um, some listening that you can do, some uh, great classic albums that you might want to revisit, and of course, to help me out with that, we've got Melissa Ruggieri. Welcome. Hi, Shane. It's great to have you, as always, even though we aren't in the same room. I know, it's weird not seeing you and just hearing you, but we'll make it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, you know, we can, we can certainly talk no matter what room we're in. <laughs> exactly. Just, just tell us we're talking about music and we're both good to go. The plan is to talk about some classic albums. So what were the sort of ground rules for this? Well, I thought about this. So our, our editor actually, you know, came to me with a suggestion about two weeks ago, figuring people are going to be inside. Now we don't know how long people are going to be inside for. And we could only watch but so much stuff on Netflix and TV. So <laughs> yeah. we, we figured music was the other thing that a lot of people will turn to. And, and maybe, you know, you start thinking about those albums that you haven't listened to in a while. So I've spent like the last week or 10 days just, you know, I'd be out jogging or whatever and go, oh, yeah, that's right. I love that album. I forgot about that. And I finally came up with my list the other night. And, I, you know, coming up, I, I had to set ground rules for myself because I could come up with 100 what of what I think are some classic albums. But if this is going to run in our print section, we have limited space. <laughs> so I set myself a list of 25, but I also cheated a little bit because in the lead, I'm just sort of knocking out a few obvious entries like Led Zeppelin and, you know, the Eagles Hotel California or anything by the Beatles. But my pick for that is always going to be Revolver. That's always been my favorite Beatles album. Michael Jackson, you know, you know, like Michael Jackson there to me, there's no topping thriller, but at least from a popularity perspective, but I would personally argue that off the wall is a better piece of music or a better slate of music. So those aren't part of my 25, which <laughs> I know is sort of cheating. And then I had to figure out, okay, where's the cutoff for what constitutes a classic album? So I've gone with nothing released past the year 2000, 
which still leaves a 20 year window. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to think back that 2000 was 20 years ago. And otherwise, you know, if, if we could have gone up until now, or at least the last, you know, five years, there would have been some Adele or some Kendrick Lamar or Lady Gaga. I mean, you know, there, there are lots of albums that have come out in the past 20 years that I, I know that I'll probably still be listening to, you know, a decade from now, but nothing past the year 2000, only 25 plus some others. <laughs> and, and those are kind of my, my ground rules. Now, of course, these are my idea of a classic album or my picks for a classic album. And, and I know Shane, you know, you have a, a deep love and knowledge of music as well. So, I'm sure you would have your own list and maybe, maybe yeah. we might cross over on some things, but have, I mean, do you think about that sometimes? I mean, do you like, if, if you, have you ever made a list for yourself just of, you know, albums that you love? Oh God, definitely. I have, I have so, so many lists. It's, it's amazing how many lists I have in my uh, streaming service. I use Deezer and I have actually made a list for every year. Wow. From 1968 up to uh, the present day. Maybe you should do this list. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I texted my, my cousin Michael in Richmond uh, yesterday because I was, you know, putting the list together. And, and I said, you know, I, I just want to make sure, you know, because he loves music, too. And, and I said, I, th I feel like I'm missing something. And I said, you know, and I ran by a couple of the names I had on my list. He sends me a text back with a list of 100 albums that he has devised over the years or compiled over the years. And I'm like, dude, I was asking you for your opinion on like two things. <laughs> but, right. but I mean, but, you know, people who love music as much as a lot of us do, you do kind of want to sit around sometimes and go, huh? Yeah, if I had to pick 25, 50, 100 albums, you know, this would be it. So it's nice to hear everybody's opinion. But um, I don't know. I mean, how, how do you want to do this? You want me to just like kind of mention a, a few of the ones that that are on my list and well yeah yeah let's you know just start with uh you know mentioning a few and and why you picked them and um okay and and we'll see yeah well like i said you know led zeppelin uh, i i went with led zeppelin four strictly because of misty mountain hop that's my favorite led zeppelin song so that's right you know, the eagles hotel california you, you really can't deny what's on that album just like they just did the tour that that was the compliment to you know the, the anniversary of it um Beatles Revolver, the Rolling Stones. I, I would go with some girls because with Miss You, Beast of Burden, and Shattered on there, to me that's to, to me that's a great Rolling Stones album. But of course, you know, Exile on Main Street or Sticky Fingers, those could all be in the argument as well. So that's the thing with so many of these artists, they they have an amazing catalog. So, for example, Billy Joel, one of my favorite artists, Turnstiles is my favorite album by Billy Joel because I love Summer Highland Falls. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. Well, you know, a lot of people would probably say The Stranger or another Billy Joel album, but but for me, it would be Turnstiles. Um, U2's All That You Can't Leave Behind. Everybody's going to go with The Joshua Tree. I like The Joshua Tree. I don't love The Joshua Tree the way a lot of people love The Joshua Tree, but All That You Can't Leave Behind, it came out in 2000. I listened to that CD front to back, back to front, however you want to call it. I, I mean, a thousand times probably. I just love every song on there. And it also came out at a time in my life that you know was sort of meaningful for lots of different reasons and like where I and like I, I hear it and I remember you know where I was living and when I was going to grad school and just different things and you know working at like my first big newspaper job and and it it just really resonated with me and then after 9-11 um U2 was one of the first bands to come back and do a show about three weeks after 9-11. They performed at the Baltimore Arena and I went to see them and I was in New York on 9-11 so I was already you know that's something that was always going to be part of me and 
seeing you two perform just a few weeks later and everybody was so raw and vulnerable and Bono just sort of I, I enveloped everybody, you know, in this in this hug of music. <laughs> and it was, you know, a year after that album came out. So I always sort of associate it with that as well. So, you know, that would be one of my my favorite U2 albums. Um, Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. You a fan? Yeah, that that probably would be my choice as well. If you're going with Elton John, I would yeah. definitely probably pick that one. And, you know, Madman, great album. Can't deny it. <laughs> you know, Elton's had several great albums, but Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is is really my favorite of his catalog. Uh, I, you know, having grown up in the 80s or, you know, was a teenager in the 80s, 80s music is really it was really my formative you know time of listening to music. And Duran Duran is one of those bands for me that is the band that I look back at as that's when I really started getting interested in music and learning about, you know, British music. And, and then MTV, of course, was really a great learning tool because with video came, you know, the, the audio component that you went, oh, these guys are really cute, but let me listen to their music now, <laughs> <You know? laughs> which is sort of the opposite of the way things have been before. And I love Duran Duran's first album, but Rio, I think, is the album that really brought them to the forefront commercially and and musically as well and when you go back and look at the tracks on that album i mean there's to me there's not a filler on there and and that's sort of what i was thinking of when i was thinking back to a lot of these albums that what were the ones or what are the ones that i still want to listen to front to back and you know the way we listen to music now is so different and the way this current generation listens to music they really they didn't grow up listening to it the way you and I did. Whereas, you know, you would put an album on and if you're listening to vinyl, you know, you'd flip it over to the second side after you listen to the first four or five songs or whatever, then CDs, you would listen to it, you know, front, you know, 12 tracks in a row, basically. I mean, you could skip around, but probably when you first bought it and put it in the CD player, you listen to the whole thing through, you know, now everybody just goes online and cherry picks. Oh, I think I want to hear this song or I want to hear that song. And the idea of like a concept album, doesn't really exist for a lot of newer acts. Um, I, I know some artists, you know, are still try to do that and hope that when people listen to it, that they'll take it as one piece of work rather than, oh, I want to listen to song number six. <laughs> you know, but and, and I think it's going to be difficult 20 years from now, even though there are some artists, like I mentioned, like, you know, Adele or Kendrick or Lady Gaga, who you can still listen to those albums front to back, but I, I think that 20 years from now, are people really going to look back at them as a, a cohesive piece of work the way we're talking about some of these albums, you know? Yeah, I don't know. There there don't seem to be a whole lot of those. I mean, they're certainly, they certainly exist. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah. They're, they're, they are a lot more, you know, the hits and then, you know, some other right. tracks. Exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I think back to, to Cindy Lauper's She's So Unusual, which came out in 1983. And I can remember, you know, being like, I don't know how, I think I was like eight or nine at the time, and laying in bed at night after I, you know, told my parents I was going to bed and they shut off the lights that after the lights were out, I would go get my my boombox and my headphones and plug it in and listen to the cassette tape like under the covers. <laughs> I just love that. I love that album so much. And, and I still do. I mean, again, you know, I go back and I'll listen to it some times and go, you know, this was a really good album or there's some really great songs on here. And and I remember, you know, Cindy and Madonna came out about the same time and Madonna just, you know, just really went into the stratosphere and the popularity with the whole, you know, the whole Madonna-ness of everything. And even then, I remember thinking to myself, but Cindy's the better singer. <laughs> you know? And she she might not she might not be as as, you know, globally adored as Madonna, although she certainly was popular, but 
I always felt like Cindy Lauper kind of got a raw deal as far as um, as far as vocals were concerned, because, you know, I, I think if you even if you hear her now, you see her on a talk show or something and she's you know 60 something years old and she looks fantastic and she still sounds like Cindy Lauper, whereas I love Madonna. I do. And Like a Prayer is actually my pick for a Madonna album that came out in 1989. Um but, you know, I mean, Madonna has changed so much stylistically, and I don't think her voice has ever quite matched the uh, power of her presence, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. And I, w- I wanted to mention, it's like you mentioned Rio, which is is such mm-hmm. such a great album. And it is, like you said, there isn't a bad track on it. And it's something, you know, most people will remember Hungry Like the Wolf and, you know, they might right. hear another a song I never want to hear again. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like so many of this, so many albums. It's like there are tracks on it that that have become so over familiar. But then, you know, it, it tends to make people ignore the album as well when there's a lot of great stuff on it. Yes, and there's that's very true. And funny you say that because um, we're going to do another podcast soon because uh, I'm doing a story with Rodney Ho about 80s music. And he and I both have a deep love and knowledge of 80s music. And we often when when we would be in the office together, <laughs> which who knows when that'll ever be. again, right. um, We would we would often talk about how, you know, there, there were so many 80s bands that had these huge hits that will be forever associated with them. But I especially tended to always um, gravitate toward the tertiary hit, like the not even the second hit, the third hit would be the one that, that I would like. So we're going to do a story about, you know, you may, you, of course, you know, the bangles from Walk Like an Egyptian, but, you know, a song like If She Knew What She Wants is actually a much better song or their, yeah. their cover of Hazy Shades of Winter, you know, I mean, stuff like that, that people don't necessarily remember or Men Without Hats, everybody knows Safety Dance, but do you remember Pop Goes the World? I mean, that was actually a fun little song too, or, you know, Aha's the, Aha's the Sun Always Shines on TV. Wow. I'd <laughs> he for- went? That I had forgotten that song. See? I, yeah, you forgot about that song. when you or mentioned like, it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. Or or aha, you know, everybody knows "Take on Me," but what about the sun always shines on TV? I mean, that's actually a, a much uh, more more layered, textured song. You or know? my favorite, so "The do... Living Daylights." So, yeah, there you go. The, that was a James Bond theme. It was it? yes, but that was aha. It was yeah. That I remember that. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of take a look at that because, like you say, there are so many other great songs on albums that people don't necessarily remember because they got you know just burned out by hearing "Hungry Like the Wolf" or whatever. And like with Prince, you know, people like Prince and Bowie. I, I did kind of sit there with my head in my hands for a minute, going, "Oh God, there's so many you know really great albums that they did." And of course, "Purple Rain" is stocked with hits, but. My pick was actually 1999, which yeah. came out in 1982. Which, of course, at the time, 1999 seemed like you know a, a, a you know a whole era away. But I think that the influence of 1999 is too big to overlook before you even got to Purple Rain. You know, right? Yep. And 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 that was what I I thought of with some albums too. Um, Fleetwood Mac. You know, I kind of went back and forth between the obvious rumors and Mirage. I love Mirage, but then when you go back and you look at the songs on Rumors, you kind of have to go, yeah, there's nothing really better than this. <laughs> I mean, there's... there's the, one That's one album where it's like everybody knows just about every song on it. Absolutely. And the drama that surrounded everything on it, too. You, <laughs> you, can't, you can't forget about that. And Carol King's Tapestry is another album like that, 1971. I mean, you go back and you listen to that album now, and those songs, just they're timeless. I mean, they still resonate. And, and that also is a signal of, of a classic album album regardless of your tastes you know i have a friend who cannot 
stand the sound of Carol King's voice, but she will admit that, you know, yeah, these are these are still solid songs. And if you're still hearing them, you know, 45, 50 years later, there's got to be something there. You know, this wasn't just some kind of, you know, flash in the pan thing. Um, Run DMC, Raising Hell from 1986. That was that was a huge breakthrough for them and for rap music going into the mainstream and, you know, just breaking into MTV and coming out of Brooklyn. And, and you know what I mean? I mean, that that to me was one of those formative albums, too, that when you look back in history still means a lot. And then, like, you know, moving into the 90s a little bit. Um, I, I forgot how what you think of Oasis. You're not an Oasis I'm, fan. I, right? I think that Oasis made about uh, two and a half good albums, something like that. And OK. That's it, was, it's, was was what's the was what's the story Morning Glory one of them? Indeed, yes, yes, it was. Okay, yeah, I would I would definitely agree. But the, the, but I am of the opinion that you know the old question about uh, who won the the Brit pop showdown Oasis or Blur, and the proper answer is Pulp. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. I would agree with that, too, actually. They did not have the global dominance that certainly Oasis had and and Blur had to a lesser extent. But yes, if you if you take those bands as a trio. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And, and I love and, Blur and, too, I, but, but Pulp, I, I, you know, I, while we're talking about albums, different class is, is just a, a yes. brilliant, brilliant album that, that you should, everyone should be familiar with here just once at least it's, it's a great album. And then, you know, you think of a lot of bands, especially these British bands and the influence that they created for artists going forward. And then also, you know, the, the artists that influenced them. And and that's just kind of a cool progression to see also, you know, and I think bands like Oasis and Blur and Pulp certainly set the groundwork for a lot of bands that, you know, you saw come after them in the last decade or whatever, uh, not, maybe not to the same extent of success, which is, of course, what everybody figured that was going to happen. <laughs> but, and, you know, but, in, you know, in the 90s, too, uh, I know you're a big REM fan and there there were several albums you know late 80s early 90s that you kind of go well is it is it green is it <laughs> is it out of time i went with automatic for the people um that came out in 92 what what would what would be your REM well for the choice? for the late period that would i would go with that but but i'm i'm much more of a you know a murmur guy so you know ah okay, okay. that would probably yeah. be yeah, my yeah, yeah. my choice although you know i love i, I really love the first four um, Life's Rich Pageant. They, they, it really would be mm-hmm. between Life's Rich Pageant and Murmur. Both of those are great albums, and they hold a lot of memories for me too. You know, right? And and I think you know these are obviously always going to be personal lists and personal choices, and you know, just depending on what what meant to you at what point in your life, kind of thing. And you know, we all, like I said about you know listening to Cindy Lauper you know, under the covers in bed with my headphones on. <laughs> you know, not not everybody's going to have that kind of <laughs> relationship with an album or a song. So right. that's a big part of it too. Um, now, I, you know, I'm a big Cher fan. So I actually put Cher's Believe album on there, which came out in 99. So it just made the cut. And only because, well, I mean, I think it's a great album for what it is. And I think, you know, the comeback that she had was so undeniable and so amazing. And, you know, you look at somebody coming back on the charts, you know, in her fifties and having a huge dance hit and then having, you know, a couple other hits off that album and just reaching this whole new generation in, in such a way. I mean, 
you know, the, the joke has always been that with the world ends, the only person left is going to standing is going to be Cher. And, you know, we might be at that point now. Where I think it's going to be Cher and Keith Richards are the two people who are going to be left standing after all of this. Um, so, yeah, Cher made my list. And then, uh, you know, getting also like toward the 99, 2000 era, Shelby Lynn, I Am Shelby Lynn was such an amazing album and really, you know, introduced her to a lot of people too. And she's just such a, a raw and, you know, vulnerable type of performer. And the songs on that album were so personal and just so rich and, and resonant that I remember, you know, listening to that pretty much nonstop when it came out too. And I also kind of give a shout out to Eminem with the Marshall Mathers LP that came out in 2000, because, you know, whatever you think of Eminem, I, I mean, those first couple albums he put out were, were game changers. They, they really were. And, and I think, you know, that was the one that really made him go from here's a scrappy kid from Detroit into a full blown superstar, <laughs> you know? And, and again, the, in, the influence that, that came out of that. Um, I'm sure that, you know, people will, some people who were, were big, you know, nineties grunge fans will, um, you know, tell me how stupid I am because I, I do not have Nirvana's Nevermind on my list, which seems, seems almost too obvious to me, but I do have Pearl Jam's 10. So <laughs> if, if, if we're going grunge, but honestly with Nirvana, I, if I'm going to put Nirvana on the list, I like in utero better. Yeah. Than I do too. Nevermind. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I, and maybe again, that's that whole, you get so burned out from, hearing so much of a certain thing that you want to go to the next thing or you you find you find the you find the beauty in the thing that not as many other people found so david bowie was another one of those artists where i just sat there going oh god it could be the rise and fall of ziggy stardust the spires from mars it could be young americans there you know so many great albums i i did go with let's dance that came out in 83 only because of what nile rogers did to his sound and and just how transformative again that was right. for Bowie, but I don't know what, what, what would that you would definitely Bowie? not be me, but I, I mean, cause yeah. let's dance is not my favorite, but you know, I don't, not your, I don't, not your favorite Bowie. Era. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate it, but, but yeah, that would be really tough for me because God, I, I, I probably, I would probably go with low. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. And heroes is yeah. Know, low and uh, heroes that, that, the the Berlin albums are are great. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I and I, I station to station. Yeah, I have I have a soft spot for Diamond Dogs as well. So it's mm. it's mm. it would be really really hard, but I, I guess I would probably go with Low. That's it's like yeah. when I recently started rebuying vinyl, um, which I did uh, like last year. Uh, Low was one of the ones that. Uh, uh, among my first purchases so. first on the list yeah yeah it yeah, was yeah, yeah. It, it, it wasn't first but you know that was it's like astral weeks by van morrison That's uh, too, roxy yeah. music for your pleasure Joni mm -hmm. mitchell blue um and then see love. now you're now, now you're naming stuff that i should have also had on this list but that's, <laughs> i mean 25 is hard I yeah mean, it's really hard right. to limit yourself to that you know yeah and yeah. that doesn't even get into the like the it, I, I was mentioning earlier how I have like lists of songs from from all these years, and mm -hmm. you know you can tell when my favorite era is because there are more songs on that list. <laughs> right. You know, right? So it's like from about seventy eight to eighty two is jam packed. Mm -hmm. Also seventy one. Mm -hmm. Seventy one was a really good year. 
So 71 was a good year. Yeah. 70, and I had a few on here from, I think, 73, too. Yeah. Well, also seemed like a like a pretty good year. Uh, and at 78, I had a couple from 78. So, yeah, there, there was a lot in the 70s. And, you know, I think it also had a lot to do with how you grew up and what you listen yeah. do you, do you have do you have any siblings yes yeah i have one younger brother yeah you have a younger brother okay well see i have an i have an older sister and and she's 10 years older than i am so when i was you know 7 8 years old you know she was she was a teenager she was in high school and our rooms were across the hall from each other so she was always playing you know stuff like fleetwood mac and billy joel and elton john and queen and you know so i mean so so much of that is ingrained in me just from having heard it from such a young age. And then when I got to be like 11 or 12, I started playing the drums and that's when MTV like for, you know, really was becoming like the thing that you couldn't escape. So then all the, you know, the, the 80 stuff, all the, the glam bands and the, you know, the British guys and all that, you know, became such a big part of my life. So, you know, I mean, so much of this depends on what your history is with music and, and what your influences were, whether from your family or, you know, what you were watching or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's very true. Very true. But yeah, and I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned vinyl because one of my um, projects that I'm planning on doing during this lockdown <laughs> is I bought a, a, a new record player about a year ago and I have bought, you know, I don't know, a dozen or so you know, pieces of vinyl, you know, classic out al- classic albums, the stuff I want to listen to. And I just have not had time to set that thing up. And I told my husband, I told my husband the other night, okay, <laughs> we're, we're in this apartment for at least the next three or four weeks. So one goal is to get this thing going. So I don't just have to listen to stuff on my computer with my headphones, you know? Yeah. It seems like a good time to do it. It is. It is. And it's a, it's a good time to revisit some of these things that you may have forgotten about, or, you know, I mean, look, w- after after 9-11, you know, there was so much talk about how music was such a great healer and how, you know, it really brought people together to go to concerts and to be together and whatever. And now we're in this complete opposite situation where we're being told we have to stay apart from each other. But that doesn't mean that music can't be there to be a binder, you know, or or a healer in just our own personal lives. And, and you know, I, I hope that some people, myself included, you know, take this time to kind of go back and just sort of appreciate some of the things that we love so much about music and why we love it and and take those songs and, you know, have them mean something to what's going on in our lives right now with everything, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it definitely does. It helps. It helps many of us. And, you know, many, many artists are out there on, on uh, Facebook, on other social media mm-hmm. platforms now performing, um, you know, and because that's what they do. And, and since they're, you know, forcibly not on the road. Right. Um, they're they're bringing it to us from from their from their living rooms or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, whoever your favorite artist is, you know, definitely look them up because there's a good chance they're doing something on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever. Um, and I'm I'm actually doing a story this week about you know what people can do to help some of these musicians who you know rely on touring for their livelihood and aren't obviously able to do that right now and you know some of the local venues that have had to close and you know I mean it's not just the musicians it's the you know it's the cook it's the the door guy it's the usher it's you know so many people who are out of work right now and um you know and there's lots of ways that we could try and help them too so 
you know, keep 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 an eye out for that too. And this this story of these twenty five albums will be coming out fairly soon <laughs> in print. <laughs> We're doing the podcast before the story, but hey, it doesn't matter. Things live forever on the internet. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So yeah, that'll be coming out sometime in the next couple of weeks, I imagine. Yeah. So and yeah, I'll, I'll have it online probably in the next week or so. So you could you could check it out there, and then also keep an eye out for the eighty story that Rodney and I are going to work on as well. And, you know, we're just trying to keep things as not light necessarily, but just give you some different things to, to maybe spend your time doing rather than worrying about the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. We can't go out and do the things we used to do and that there's not all this stuff available, but there's still plenty you can do inside. And that's what we're trying to, uh, you know, talk about and offer you these, you know, suggestions and, you know, go and explore on your own. Exactly. Exactly. So put on some headphones and uh, go listen to something today. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much, Melissa. It was all, as always, it was great talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for your input as well. I always like talking about music with you. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It's great. Due to concerns about coronavirus spread, many events in and around Atlanta have been canceled. Lots of venues are closed. Some restaurants are closed, many of them offering to-go items, curbside pickup, and that sort of thing. But because of that, there's not a lot of events to talk about. Um, actually, pretty much none. To keep up with all of the latest news on the coronavirus, AJC.com coronavirus. Or just go to AJC.com, where the top news of the day will keep you informed.